0: to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. Signposts are really important. Like if I were to try and tell you how to get to my home in the Leedale without using signposts saying turn down this street with this name, I'd have to use lots of different um, ways of, of showing you how to get there. It would be very hard, so signposts are really important. Like if I said to you, um, oh, we're gonna go on a car rally after church and let's meet at McDonald's in Croydon, straight away you'd have a visual of where McDonald's in Croydon was and you'd know where I was talking about. Or if I said, let's meet at Flinders Street Station, straight away you'd have a visual. So you know that signposts are really important. And now that we've got um, Google Maps and Navmans and things like that, it's even easier to find our way around. And creates a lot less arguments in the car and things like that. A lot more freedom in our lives. So signposts are really important in our lives. And of course, throughout scripture, um, God's provided us with a map to guide us. Signposts along the way. And guide guide, um, posts and markers to follow so we don't get lost. I just want to read you a scripture from uh, Jeremiah 6, verse 16. And this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the way is and walk in it. And then God says, you will find rest for your souls. Now, this, Jeremiah wrote this at a time when the people of Judah had lost their free, freedom to Egypt. But their response was, we will not walk in it. Because they were pursuing idols and different things. They weren't pursuing the passion of God. And this, brought, of course, brought God's judgment to them. Later on in Jeremiah, so stay with me because it's still about signposts and you'll understand why. Later on in Jeremiah 31, he says, There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border because they were no longer in their land. So there was hope that they were going to be coming back. And in Jeremiah 31:21, he says, Set up signposts, make landmarks, Set your heart toward the highway, the way in which you went. So these signposts would help them get back to their homeland. They would point the way back to their homeland. And it made me think of two things. Firstly, we need to set up signposts and landmarks for ourselves and for our children to find our way back when we've gone off track, which we all do at times in our life when circumstances in life hit us really hard. It can push us off our track and we need those signposts and landmarks to point us back to the way to God. And I was thinking like with my children, I know that you've um, done this too, is that when you teach them Bible verses or teach them songs that that keeps coming back to them, I remember songs from my childhood and daggy as they may be, Uh, today they still carry the promises and the scripture and the word of God in them so they're really good those signposts and so encourage you to really instill them in your children today because your children down the track will need signposts to get back I just remember that story I've forgotten his name but of the man who got stung by all those jellyfish and he really should have died in the natural he should have died Ian McCormack but the thing he remembered at that time when he was near death was he, was, he started saying the Lord's Prayer because that's what he remembered his mother uh, praying all the time. He wasn't a Christian but that's what he started praying and that was his road to uh, getting back to God. So that, those sort of signposts are really important. And Abraham of course built altars to the Lord and called on the name of the, of the Lord and we read that all throughout Genesis. So he remembered those times. He didn't do it just for himself. He did it so that his uh, sons and grandsons would have a path to follow. So those altars, those signposts were really important. So we can establish ourselves those altars of praise and remembrance to God, good things that have happened to us in the past to remind us of God's goodness. Like, I have lots of words around my home. And back 10, 15 years ago when we thought something good was going to come out of an investment that we made, and it didn't. The good didn't come out of it. Now, I'd been given a signpost from God before that happened, and that was the word providence that God had given me through a a prophet that came to our church. And at the time, I thought, wow, what a fantastic word, providence, that God is going to be, be your provision. It's all going to be fine. So I thought, wow, you know, when we invested... In this land, this is going to be great because this is what God has promised. But it didn't work out the way we thought it would. But I had that word providence to cling to. And if you've been to my house, you'll see that word. And so even through that time, it reminded me that even though I'm going through a difficult time now, God's providence is all over me. That was the word. God's providence is all over you. So it, I just, these are just circumstances. God still got me on the track. He hasn't, you know, things aren't, he hasn't given up. He's still got me on the track. So my question to you is are you a signpost or are you a weather vane? And the reason I asked that question is that I watched a political interview not that I'm really do that very often and the person in that interview talked about signposts and weather vanes and what he said was signposts stand strong, true and tall on principle and values, resolute and unchanging in the face of criticism or challenge indicating the way ahead. Weather veins spin on its axis, responding swiftly and unthinkingly to the changes in the prevailing wind, spinning in whatever direction the wind of popular opinion may blow, no matter what prin- principle they have to compromise. So weather veins blur the lines so as not to offend others or hurt feelings. And I thought, wow, that, that's just like, can be like in our Christian walk are we a signpost or are we a weather vane i have found weather vane in the bible in the hosea in hosea in the uh, message translation i'm the one who gave them good minds and healthy bodies and how I, am i repaid with evil scheming they turn but not to me turn here turn there like a weather vane so <laughs> all our lives posts all our lives should be signposts to god We should be always pointing, no matter whatever happens, we should be pointing other people to God. So as we need signposts, we need to be signposts to other people. We need to be signposts to to the lost who need to find their way to God. We need to be examples of of who God is for others. Now the person I want to talk to you about this morning, believe it or not, is David. We've had him spoken about, so God's really doing something here, because I didn't know what Dean was talking about either, so... But David is a, a signpost as he's remembered for the heart of God. That he had a heart after God's own heart. He had a desire to know God. Even in the time when people were sacrificing animals under law, because of law, David was giving God sacrifices of praise in, in the fields when he was shepherding his sheep and when he was out doing the things that he was called to do. He was giving God his own personal times of praise not out of law, but out of his passion for God. So from the time that Samuel anointed David as king, he didn't take the throne for another 10 to 13 years. So Samuel anointed him, and it was 10 to 13 years before he took the throne as king. And during those times, David faced difficulties, persecution, rejection, and more than any of us would face in a lifetime. So if you read through the chapters of David when you go home, have a read of it and you'll find that he went through many character tests on his road to fulfilling his identity. After he killed Goliath, he, he won favour with Saul. He went to the uh, palace and he lived there. He befriended Jonathan. He became um, the, uh, I think her name was Micah, or Micael became his wife and so it seemed that he would be king soon. And so he would be feeling now, well, my destiny has come. I'm in the palace. I'm going to be king soon. Then Saul heard the women in the city saying that David has, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And so that made Saul really jealous. And from then on, Saul was after David. He was after killing David. He was extremely jealous of him. So it would seem then that David was not going to fulfill his destiny. It would seem that he left the palace and he had to hide and that his destiny wouldn't be fulfilled. So what did he do? Did he become like a weather vane and go, oh, well, it's all over now. That's it. You know, I had my chance. I was in the palace and now it's gone. And where is God? And what am I going to do? And, you know, this is terrible. So he's facing all different directions. No, what David did was he kept pointing to God. He kept looking to God. So what he did, he which was what Andrew spoke about last week, he went to the stronghold. He went to the stronghold and he sought after God and he sought the passion of God in his life. During that time, David created, had a band of men following him, which later became uh, his mighty men. And these were men who were in distress, who were in debt, and every, everyone who was discontent in their life had gathered to David and he became captain over them. But there came a time when David was rejected by Saul, by the enemy, uh, by the people of Israel and even by his own mighty men when, when a town that they were living in where all their wives and children were, were taken over uh, by the Amalekites and their wives and children were taken from them. And so at that time David's mighty men wanted to stone him and so again he was faced with all this rejection. But this is what David did. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his son and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So there you go. He knew what it was to strengthen himself in the Lord. He knew how to go to that secret place with God and hear God's heart and hear God's... Love for him and hear God's victory. So his breakthrough came because God said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So his breakthrough came when he went to the stronghold, when he strengthened himself in the Lord. So he showed himself to be a strong signpost. He called the men back to their purpose and vision, and they succeeded as God said they would. So we're called to encourage one another, to build one another up. As a body of Christ, that's what we're called to do, to be signposts for one another. But there are going to be times in our lives when we are going to feel that we're on our own, when we feel that people around us may have um, abandoned us, disappointed us, hurt us, and we're on our own. But sometimes God calls us to those places to stand on our own. So rather than being offended by people or, or, or becoming like, woe is me, no, you know, no one's around. They're the times that we need to strengthen ourselves in God. They're the times that we need to use the tools that God has given us to worship and praise and speaking in tongues and the word, that we need to soak ourselves in God in those times and not rely on other people. Because the opposite of that is that we become emotionally dependent on people. I've been emotionally dependent on someone in the past and when when that relationship finished I felt very insecure because I was looking to that person for for the wisdom of God and I hadn't found it for myself and I've been on the place where I've had someone emotionally dependent on me and it becomes very draining and so neither of them are good places to be so that's why we need to find that place of where we strengthen it we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord ourselves. And that's not to say we we do need encouragement from other people and we need strong friendships and we need people to keep us on track. But we also need to know how to strengthen ourselves in God. So King David was a forerunner. He was a signpost to Jesus. He pointed to Jesus in the Psalms. And Jesus is identified as the son of David. So David's life is an invitation to us for how to be signposts for other people. And that we can run ahead, be forerunners of the kingdom of God and run ahead and say, this is the way. And David had great favour with God. And we were talking about that um, at Hope Hub the other night, that God loves us all equally and there's no doubt about that, that the the immensity of God's love is for every single one of us. But God's favour is different to his love. Luke 2 verse 52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and men. So even Jesus increased in favour through his obedience to God, through following the purposes that God had for him. So when we pass the character test that God takes us through, when we stick to the word of God, no matter what's going on around us, no matter how hard things are, then he gives us the favour to walk further into our destiny. When we show obedience to God, that he can trust us, that he can um, count on us to fulfil his purposes and not our own, then he will increase our favour. God in his mercy gives us his favour to the measure that our character can handle. So it's the favour of God that gets us to our destiny and it's our character and it's our humility that will keep us there. And that's why character is so important. And that's what David developed in his life. He developed character. When things were going wrong around him, he didn't become like a weather vane, wondering, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? But he s- kept looking to God. And God could trust that he would keep coming back to him and be obedient to what God's called him to do. So if we want more favour, like King David, we have to embrace the process as well. We have to accept the character tests that God brings our way. We have to accept the, the challenges that come and we have to use those challenges as ways to mould our character to become more like Jesus. So often when we're going through a difficult time, we need to ask the question, which isn't an easy question to ask, but we need to say, God, what's the gift in this for me? What's coming out what's the gold that's coming out of this that I that I can learn so rather than say oh god this is terrible what am I going to do the first thing you say what is the gift in this for me what are you trying to show me in this so if you find yourself dealing with the same thing over and over again like for example if you I was prone to a lot of jealousy through insecurity and so, God, get rid of my... I'm just so tired of being jealous. Get rid of my jealousy. So every time I would be faced with people who'd make me jealous. I said, well, God, we are supposed to be getting rid of my jealousy. But he faces you with people who are going to trigger things in you that make you jealous so that you deal with it. So that at that point in time when you're feeling that, rather than going, oh, I feel really jealous of that person... You start praying for that person. You start saying to God, I love that person because of this, this and this. I, I, I thank you, God, that you're doing a great work in that person's life. That's just you know, an example. I mean, I'm sure none of you get jealous. That's just my personal example. But um, that's the only way we fight or we deal with the things in our lives that God wants us to deal with. So if you're keeping facing things and thinking, what's going on? What is God trying to teach you? What's God trying to show you in this? Because if you say, God, I want to grow the fruit of the Spirit, because we all have the fruit of the Spirit in us, even though it may only be in seed form, but an apple seed becomes a, has everything in it to become a big tree. We have everything in us to become like Jesus. So if we ask God, give me more fruit of the Spirit, he's going to put us in situations where we're going to have to deal with our character so that we grow more fruit. And a really encouraging thing is to know that David lived hundreds of years before Jesus' death on the cross. And yet he had favour with God because he worshipped and ministered to God and fulfilled God's purposes. So how much more should we, now that we're covered by the blood of Jesus and under the new covenant covenant, and have Jesus living in us, how much more should we even be able to come into a greater destiny? It sounds even like, is that really proud to say that? But to come into a greater destiny than David because that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. Yeah. Hebrews 11 says, these were the true heroes commended for their faith, yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised them. But now God has invited us to live in something better than what they did and than what they had, faithfulness. So we now live in everything that the prophets and the great men of faith in the Old Testament were hoping for. We live in that now. Yeah. Yeah. We live under that now. We have the righteousness of God in us now. We are seated in heavenly places. We just have to get our thinking lined up with, the, yeah. what, with what the word of God says. So we need to renew our minds daily. If we want to go through process and transformation, if we're going to embrace process and transformation, then we need to renew our minds daily. We need to read the Word of God and line up our thinking with the Word of God. Romans 8, 7 says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, which is actively opposed. Our mind, in the natural, is actively opposed to God. So if we're not in unity in body, soul and spirit, then it's going to be hard to move forward in God when you... When, when something's not moving forward in unity, it makes it very hard. So we need to get our thinking lined up with what the Word of God says. We need to cast down every argument, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought into captivity. And this isn't just, oh yeah, that, that's a good idea. That's something I should do. That's something we should be thinking about every day. When we, when a thought comes, love, a thought of fear, or a thought of, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Oh. What is God saying about you? What is the truth of the word? See, we grow as Christians even when we don't feel like doing the right thing, but we do it anyway. If we don't feel like doing the right thing, but do it anyway, that's the only way we're going to grow. It's so easy to go, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like doing that. Well, then you're not going to grow. If you don't feel like it, you've got to step forward And do it anyway. It's hard work. The Christian life is not, there's so much freedom and joy in the Christian life, but it takes discipline on our part to also walk in that. And as we walk in it, more freedom comes. So when we know who we are in God, when we keep reminding ourselves of who we are in God, that's when we can step into greater authority. So people who are signposts, which is all. All that we want to be, signposts, not weather vanes. People who are signposts have great character because they've spent time with God and God has rubbed off on them. So when you spend time with God, you can't help but have God rub off on you and people see that in you. And it's not not even a striving thing. You're just spending time with God. It's like the woman who um, washed... Jesus' feet with the perfume and the oil. She did that for God and she washed his feet. But the thing was, it was all over her hair as well because she spent time with God. And so when we spend time with God, we have the aroma of God on us and we become signposts for people to follow. People are attracted to us because we carry the aroma of God. We carry the presence of God. I was thinking about how can I encourage you all to be strong signposts in your worlds, in your spheres of influence. And I thought of something that, again, we all hear about, oh yeah, that's true, but it's the armour of God. You know, we hear about when we're growing up, You know, put the armour of God on and then we sing songs about it, but we can tend to forget as we move on, we can tend to forget about that armour. And sometimes it could seem like a silly thing to think, okay, I've got to put my armour on in the morning, which is what we were encouraged to do as kids. Put your armour on in the morning. But, you know, to remind yourself in the morning of what your armour is, to set yourself up for the day so that when things do come along, you've put the armour on so you're reminded of what you need to do to battle against the enemy on any given day. Ephesians 6 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand, and what do signposts do, they stand, Against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand in the day of evil and having done all to stand. So, what's that promise? Having done all, if you've done everything you can to stand, and then God says stand, He's going to cover the rest. It's not like he's just going to leave you. Oh, well, you've done everything you can. Now you're standing. Bad luck. Didn't work out. God is going to come in and do what you can't do. So we do everything that we can do to stand and then God will do the rest. And that's his promise. So let's quickly look at the, the armour of God just to remind us. Because David wore the armour of God when he fought Goliath. It wasn't a physical armour because that didn't even fit him and he didn't feel right wearing it. But he knew that he had the spiritual armour of God. He was wondering why the army of Israel were worried and fearful about Goliath because he had the spirit of God in him. He said, what are you worried about? We've got God on our side. He's going to give us a victory. He had the spiritual armour on and he went and fought Goliath just with a slingshot. So we wear the belt of truth, the word of God, knowing the truth about who we are in God, living by that truth, standing in victory, coming from a place of victory, not not fighting for victory, fighting out of victory, because you shall know the truth, and when you know the truth, it sets you free. Then we have the breastplate of righteousness, who we are in God, our identity, to know that Jesus made him who knew no sin or God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we are the righteousness of God. So when the enemy comes or when just the circumstances of life where people make you feel like, like you're less than you are, you remember that you are the righteousness of God. You remember your identity in God. Then we have the shoes of peace. Jesus walked in peace. Actually, Jesus was the prince of peace. Peace is a person. So when you have Jesus living in you, you carry peace with you. You carry the peace of Jesus in you. Peace is a position of power. When you have peace, you have power. You don't let things rattle you. Jesus didn't let things rattle him. And let me just go back to a few weeks ago when I I preached. If you have peace in you, then you don't get easily offended or defensive. So you, you walk in peace. Because when you're offended or when you're defensive, as a signpost, you're not pointing to God, you're pointing to yourself. You're pointing to the unforgiveness and the wounds in your heart that you still haven't dealt with. And so signposts don't get offended and they don't get defensive. Then we have the shield of faith and we lift up that shield of faith. Because I know you've probably gone through this days two where you have great faith and then the next minute something happens and now you have unbelief and doubt. Oh but now I feel faith again and the next day something good happens and oh I'm building up my faith and then something else happens and oh now I don't know is God really good? And your faith falls away again. The shield of faith we have to hold it up all the time. Even when circumstances look bad and like this this looks a bit scary. I'm going to believe that God's going to come through for me because he's promised that he would. So we hold up that shield of faith. The helmet of salvation is the revelation that you're in Christ and you are a new creation, that you're hidden in Christ and his identity is in you and your identity is in him. So the helmet of salvation protects our identity of who we are. And if you're still worried about your identity, if you're still thinking like, oh, I don't think I'm worthy, if you're then you need a revelation, a fresh revelation of what Jesus did for you at the cross. And you need to ask God again, what did you do for me at the cross, God? Give me a fresh revelation of the power of the cross in my life. We can't afford to continue walking in an identity that is less than who God said we are. Bill Johnson said a great quote. He said, I can't afford to have any thought in my head that God doesn't have about me. And we're the same. We have to walk in the strength and the identity of who God is. As signposts in this world that's looking more and more uncertain for people, we need to be a signpost that people look at and and are attracted to and say, I need to talk to that person. I need to draw close to that person because I want to find out what it is about them that keeps them in peace, that keeps them in joy, that keeps them in hope. John's mum was someone like that for me when I was um, younger. She was always someone who walked in freedom and in truth. And I was more under the law at that time and worried about my own self esteem and everything. And I would look at her, and not that I would always talk to her about it, but I would watch her. People watch you. When you're a signpost for God, they watch you. And now I look at her and I just think, what what a great example of someone who's kept the faith, who's walked solid in God. And even in difficult times, and she's gone through lots of difficult times, she didn't lose her faith. And now, as she's older, and she's got family who are getting older, but who still live under the law, as they come closer to their time of passing away, so to speak, um, they're fearful because they're not confident in who they are in God. And they've been coming to her now and talking to her and saying... What is it that you've got that keeps you so assured of who you are in God? Then we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we use that against anything that, that comes up against us, it's, that brings us fear, that brings us doubt, that brings us unbelief. We use the Word of the Spirit to remind us of the promises of God in our life. We use God's Word to fight against the enemy. That's why it's so important to to know Scripture, to be able to blurt off Scripture when you're in a a bad place. It's so important. And another thing that I want to add here, which isn't in Ephesians, but it is in Colossians, that we have to put on love. Colossians says, and above all these, put on love. So love is the highest measure of spiritual warfare. When we carry love, then we carry the presence of God in us because God is love. And then people are drawn to us, just like... We're drawn to repentance through the kindness of God. His kindness draws us to repentance. Our kindness will draw people to, to us and then we will point them to the kindness of God in their life because that's what most people don't see if they've been brought up in a religious home or have not been brought up in any sort of religion. But their view of God is that with everything going on in the world that he's not good. And so we need to walk in love so that we show others the kindness and the goodness of God. So at the end of Ephesians, it says, Pray passionately in the Spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Praying in tongues is one of the greatest weapons that I use. And if you don't pray in tongues, you're filled with the Spirit, but you're not praying in tongues yet, then keep pursuing God for tongues and come out the prayer and ask, you know, can you pray for me? Because tongues is a powerful weapon. When you pray in the Spirit, when you're feeling, um, when you're faced with something, I start praying in the spirit straight away to try to remind me of who I am, to, to remind my spirit who I am in God. It's like your spirit is a sponge and it can be dry, that sponge, it's there and then when you start praying in tongues or when you start worshipping or praising God, your spirit starts to become fill, filled up like a sponge, it expands and that's what praying in the spirit does. When I get up in the morning, I've talked about that. Sometimes I've heard this one woman say, you know, some people get up and go, good morning, Lord. But then I get up and go, good Lord, it's morning. And that's, a bit, that's, how, that's how I feel some mornings. And then I, I say the scripture, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And then I start praying in the spirit. And that puts a spring in my step. And I keep praying in the spirit until I've broken that heaviness of what I felt that morning. So it's so important. So prayer, of course, deepens our relationship with God. So it's so important to pray in the Spirit and also just to pray to God in that stronghold, in that place where we strengthen ourselves in God. And signposts have an attitude of thankfulness and rejoicing in all circumstances. That verse in the Bible, I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and in his courts with praise. Often I relate that to church. You're coming to church and we worship first, we enter his gates. But we do that in our own lives as well. We enter into God's presence with thanksgiving. When we praise God and are thankful to him for, for the, his goodness in our life, that's that's when it opens up his presence to us. Yeah. So it's really important that we, we're we thankful, that we rejoice. I could go more about that, but... The joy of the Lord is our strength and people are going to see that in us. Another thing that I want to to say just quickly is that signposts shift atmospheres. And I think this is a really, really important one. If you walk into anything, walk into the shops, walk into Coles, into Safeway, walk into a party, walk into a classroom, wherever you walk, you want to be the person who shifts the atmospheres. You don't want uh, to come into an atmosphere and come under it. I remember when I was doing prayer ministry a while ago and um, people would come in. I was doing it with some other people and people would come in and they would talk about what they needed prayer for. And some of the stuff was really difficult for them, what they were going through, really sad, really um, like I would just go, oh my gosh. And you know what I would do? I would partner with their hopelessness. i go, oh, I don't know how God's going to fix this one. So, I mean, I didn't say that to them. But in my thinking, that's what I was doing like this. I was partnering with them. So instead of me being the atmosphere changer when they came into the room, instead of me pushing out the hopelessness, I allowed the hopelessness to come in. And so instead of saying, God's got the victory here, I know that no matter what you've gone through, God's got the answer for, I would come under there like, whoa, this is really tough. But so that I change atmospheres wherever I go, I've made up a song for myself. It's a silly song, but every time I sing it, I walk in authority and power. And the song that I sing, I made up to the tune of um, that song from Aladdin. When he sings, this is the only two lines I'll sing. Make way for Prince Ali. Well, I sing. Make way for Queen Jenny. And and I don't do it to say, you know, everyone make way for me. I'm talking to the spirit realm. Make way for me. So when I'm, say, going to the shops at Coles, this is what I sing. I I won't sing it, I'll say it. So make way for Queen Jenny. She walks in faith and she walks in honour. Jesus in her brings favour upon her. You can't deny the kingdom power she brings. The enemy flees when her shadow passes. All of the angels sing Queen Jenny, precious is she, she's the king's daughter. Of great worth, known before birth, he loves her so. Don't try and get in her way. His power in hers on display. She walks in authority, Queen Jenny. And I shift atmospheres wherever I go. So when I walk into Coles, I look at people and I see if I get a response just from from me passing them. And this is not a proud or a vain thing. Please don't get me wrong. This is about getting into the enemy's camp. This is about bringing my light into the darkness. This is about walking in God's power and authority in my life. Signposts don't look back at pain that they've gone through. And I know that um, I'm not denying that we all go through extremely difficult times. But we need to get God's perspective on things. We need to get God's healing. We need to walk in, um, in his freedom. So by looking back, you're not making a way for the future. Paul says... He even says, he's not quite there yet, I admit I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. This is from the Passion Translation. But I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the destiny which Jesus Christ has called me to fulfil. I forget all of the past and I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight to the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Remember in Isaiah it says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I make a road in the wilderness and streams in the desert. It's so easy. I could easily go back and look at the past and look with regret and and revisit pain and revisit things that, that I think like, oh... That's right, that happened. If only I didn't do that, then I'd be a lot further ahead. I could easily go back there, but I don't let myself do it anymore. I stop myself from going back there because I don't want to carry that baggage anymore. I'm tired of carrying that baggage. I believe that God's mercies for me are new every morning. So I walk forward and I don't look back anymore. And I encourage you all to do do that. You know, even in Ecclesiastes it says... Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. So so King Solomon also realised that looking back was not a healthy thing to do. And just really quickly is that some of us look back with nostalgia. And God pointed this out to me one time when I was travelling the car and I was listening to a song that brought me back to a time in, in my past. And it was a time that I enjoyed, but I didn't like the person who I was then. But... It was many years ago when I was y- much younger. and But it brought me to a place where oh, I started to... You can start to glorify things in your past and think that they're actually better than they were. And you can start to... Um, they become an idol in your life. There's something. It's like an elastic band, right? You're walking forward in God, but something in you is stuck to something in the past. A good way to put it is a relationship that broke down years and years and years ago and you've moved moved on from there and they have too. But every now and then a song comes on or you see a, a place that reminds you and you can go back to that place and it's not a healthy place to be. And so you've got an el- elastic band and you're walking along and then you hear that song and all of a sudden it pulls you right back to that spot again. And you can dwell there and you can live there for a while and you can, you know, just sit there and oh, think about it, oh, you know. But it, it's not it's not healthy for you. And I've learned that I ha- some songs that I really like the song, but I have to turn the song off because it's, it's bringing me to a place that's not healthy for me. It's not keeping me going forward. I hope you understand, understand what I mean. So, and we've got to remember to keep looking forward because even though tough stuff's happened in the past, Psalms, David in Psalms said, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's always hope in God. There's not hope back what happened then, there's hope in who God is. So signposts find that secret place with God. They've got the ability to strengthen themselves in God. They embrace process and transformation and allow God to test and mould their characters. We want to be signposts. Signposts renew their minds daily. They put on the armour of God so they can stand against the strategies of the enemy when strong winds come. They don't blow around like a weather vane when strong winds come. They stand and keep pointing to who God is. They pray in the spirit, edifying themselves. They have an attitude of thankfulness and they're strengthened by the joy of God. They have heaven's perspective. They look at heaven's perspective over things. Circumstances come, God, what are you saying about this? Not what the world's saying. What are you saying? They carry the presence of God and shift atmospheres and they don't look back or settle for the now, but they have hope for the future. In this day and age, in the world that we're in today, with all the uncertainties going around, you and I need to be signposts for people to follow. We need to stand strong and be people of peace and trust and hope that people look at us and they say, you don't seem to be worried about what's going on. And and can I tell you why I'm not worried? Can Can I share with you? my relationship with God and what God has done in my life. That's who we need to be. Not weather veins of people go, yeah, times are tough. Look at that. Oh, yeah, they go to church, but they're really scared as well or they're going off, you know, on this tangent, on that tangent. We need to be strong signposts for God. Let me pray over you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave me this word for today, that we can... Know that we can stand strong in the knowledge of who you are in us and who you are for us. Thank you, God, that because of you, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can stand as strong signposts, pointing people to you, Father, pointing people to the way, that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, that we can point people in the right direction, that we're not weather vanes, God, who spin this way and that, who just agree with what's going on around us, God. But no, we agree with your perspective on things, Father. We agree with where you're headed, with what your word says, Lord.